All right, we're going to go into First uh, Peter this morning. First Peter chapter six. First Peter six verse six. It, st- it says, "Now godliness with contentment is great gain." For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown, drown, drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through, through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. This is a part that I really wanted to get to. Fight the good fight of faith. Do you know that we're in a fight? We're in a fight. And depending on which side it's, it's good or not, there's a good fight that we fight, the fight of faith. And why is it good? It's good because God is with us on our side. Amen? The good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in, all, in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnesses the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the blessed and the only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you so much that you are on our side. We fight the good fight of faith, Lord God. It can be, we- it can be wearing at times. It can be- we can get weary, Lord God, but we know that you are there to pick us up. Father God, and I thank you that we have the fellowship of the brethren also to come alongside and to encourage us and to lift us up, Lord God. We just come in this place this morning. We worship you. We give you glory and honor, Lord God. And we come, Lord God, with expectation this morning. Father, we come with expectation for you to move, for you to speak to us. Lord God, for you to change the atmosphere, for you to change the circumstances in our lives, Lord God. We focus on you and we give you all the glory and the honor that you are so deserving of. We thank you for it. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Father, we do exalt you. Father, we exalt you. 
Lord God, there's nothing more that we can do to make you in a place higher than where you are. But Father, we can proclaim that you are in that place in our lives, in the world around us, and we exalt you this morning. Father, we proclaim that you are high and lifted up. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are above all things. You reign over all things. God, we exalt you this morning. Father, let us exalt you in our lives daily. Help us, Lord God, to speak highly of you to those that don't know you. Father, help us to speak boldly and to proclaim the goodness and the love of God. Lord God, we exalt you this morning. There is no other name in heaven or on earth that is greater than your name, than the name of Jesus. And we proclaim that. We lift that up this morning. pray, Father, that you would be high and lifted up in each, every, each and every person in this place this morning, and that they would carry it out to the world, Lord God, so that others might know your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love. We thank you for it, and we praise you, and we give you all the glory and the honor. time. You are worth the wait. And we thank you for it. We praise you and give you glory. Thank you, Jesus. So yeah, I encourage you to be a part of the giving towards the uh, the outreaches, towards the uh, Christmas outreach. Uh, it takes a lot of money, especially with the, the bigger need this year. We're actually doubling, if not tripling, the size of the outreach and uh, so there's a lot of need out there. Vern is actually in New Richmond this Sunday uh, speaking to their church because we want them to be the ones who give it away, you know, who go out and, and uh, because they're the church there in the community and so to be able to distribute those gifts. And so he's there casting that vision and talking about that. But that's the cool thing about this vision. It's the great thing about the vision for the valley. Um, we can do more together than we can separately. You know, if it was five separate congregations, well, you can do a lot. I mean, there's a lot that every church does. It. There's churches all over the valley. There are good churches all over the world that are good churches. But when you start working together, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a multiplication of labor, multiplication of resources, and, and we, we can do a lot more together than we can separately. And we can reach more people. That's the vision. When you're, when you're uh, uh, four churches, five churches... 15 churches, 25 churches. It just keeps growing exponentially and the anointing and the power grows exponentially with it also. Amen? So that's the, that's the neat part about uh, this, this ministry, what God's leading us to do 
is the outreach and the, the way we can affect a greater number of people with what we have. So, amen? It's good to be a part of that. So, you know, when you talk about the vision, you talk about the vision that God's put in our hearts to, to, uh, to have a network of churches throughout the valley and to be reaching out into all these communities and that bottom line when there's 24 churches from, Saint, uh, from uh, uh, Soul and Springs to Prescott, you know, there, anyone, anyone in the valley within 50 miles or 25 to 50 miles of the St. Croix River would only have to drive seven miles to a church that preaches the word, that preaches faith, that preaches healing, that preaches the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all the things that, that God has put in, in, in this church. They only have to drive seven miles. That's the cool thing about that. You know, and, and you think about that moving forward, it's moving forward. We're growing. Things are happening. It's exciting. We're starting to hear testimonies of, of people's lives being touched, of salvations, of healings. We're hearing things are happening up and down within that, that uh, uh, region, that area that we're touching. And that's exciting. It's exciting to think about that in the next couple of years, there'll be at least one more, if not two more churches. It's just it's exciting to see all the work, all the, the things that have to get done. It's exciting to see the building. Did you see we have a glass door on the front? I mean, if anybody wants the old plywood door as a memorial of uh, what we've had for the last nine months, but you know, it, it, we're seeing that move forward. You know, we're, we're ready. We have the money for the heating system and that's ready to go. And the electrical was just a, you know, I, I talked to the electrician this week and, and he's like, Hey, give us a call. We're ready when you're ready. And I said, well, when the money's here, we'll, we're ready. So you st- see that theoretically, legal, you know, p- very possibly we could have, uh, the, uh, uh, startup of the new classes in February in that building. It's that realistic. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That's very, very cool. And so uh, that's why we're doing some things that we have to get done. We found out, which is interesting, you know, you, you put things in order and you think, well, heat is very important in Minnesota. The heat is, is way up there. It's very important. But I was talking to the building inspector and he goes, you have to have siding and a sidewalk before I'll give you an occupancy program or a permit. And uh, I was like, well, that's really good to do that when it's warm. And so uh, we are quickly trying to get a sidewalk out there, and then the the, the siding, and you know, might be getting a uh, an email this week because we might need a a, a number of of uh, strong backs to take the siding off this side of the building, uh, the the existing, because we want to do the whole building and then finish that side since we had to tear it back to do the building. But there's a bunch of things that need to be done along with everything else that we're doing. So. It's, uh, it's exciting. There's a lot going on. You know, I've, during the week, my, my week gets filled up with details. And, you know, ask my wife. I'm not good with details. Details are bad. But details are hard. And, uh, you know, and, and, uh, but that's just my makeup, you know. And so it's, it, it, but it gets full of details to the point where I lose, I can, I can lose focus on what's really important. And so the Lord's been speaking to me about what's really important. So I'm going to, since he's speaking to me about it, you get to hear about it too. You know, that's, amen. And so what's really important? Tell me what's really important. The kingdom, people, relationships. What else? The gospel, prayer, salvation. All these are important, very important. What's the most important of all? Who said that? Yeah! Give that girl a ding, 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 ding. Good answer, good answer. <laughs> love. 
The greatest of these is love. love. Turn with me to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. Because with love, everything else gets sorted out. Everything else is in perspective. Everything else. We can have the greatest network of churches in the St. Croix Valley or any valley or anywhere around, but without love, it's nothing. We can have a really, really cool building for our classrooms and all the prayer and all the small groups, and we can have this really sweet, which is going to be a really sweet building to do all the things we want to do, but without love, it's a waste of time. We have to have that part, the most important part, love. You know, and you say, well, wait a second, God is the most important. Yes, but what's the word say about God? God is love. Amen? John, 1 John 4. Beloved, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. You know, it's interesting because there are, I've met people in my life who are very loving. They really, they, they did, they were very kind people. And not all of them are saved. It's just the reality. I've, I've met some very caring, very loving people who are saved. And one of my thoughts about them is, boy, they'd make a great Christian. Because they have that thing inside of them that cares about people, that, that loves already. They're kind. They're, they're, they're soft-hearted. They, 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 they uh, serve others. They reach out to others with a real heart, not just... And they're just that close to salvation. That's why you still need Jesus. You still need the blood. You can be the most caring, loving, wonderful, nice person in the world, but without Jesus, without His death on the cross, believing that that death covers your sin, you're still lost. But the moment the moment you receive that free gift, the moment you receive salvation, love takes on the right meaning the right purpose. And that that love has been born of God and it knows God, according to the Scripture right here. Verse 8, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. It's very true. If you don't love... Now, does that mean if you don't are perfect in love in every single possible moment of every moment of your life, does that mean that... That at every turn, if you don't walk in perfect love, that you don't know God? No. Because we're, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Because we're not perfect yet. We're not fully sanctified. Some of us are a long ways down the road. Other of us are not. We're growing though. And that's where the grace of God comes in. He doesn't, you're not judged on how perfect you are. You're judged by what you believe Jesus has done for you. That's His love for you. That's the love of God. That you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to meet all the requirements and jump through. The only requirement is, I trust that Jesus died for my sins. I have no other hope. I have no other answer. That's my answer. When when you stand before God, what's your answer? My my answer? And I've been a Christian for over 50-some years. You know what my answer is? His death on the cross. That's all I got. That's all I got to go on. All the other stuff I've done, all the good stuff. 
You put all that up in a pile and it's still not enough. It's His death on the cross. Because He first loved us. We're going to read that. He loved us so much He realized you're not perfect. And you never will be on this earth. That's love. Isn't it interesting that that's God's love towards us and we want that. We want God to know that we can't, you know, we want God to understand that he, that we're not perfect and we never will be. But yet, we look at some others and we want, hmm, they should be more perfect. Because they're not quite meeting up to my standards. And until they meet my standards, hmm, I'm going to hold it against them. That's not love. You know, we're not, you know, it's so tempting to go to 1 Corinthians 13, but you guys could quote it, you know? I mean, we, we've heard it so much. What is love? What isn't love? And love, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't keep a track of wrongs. It doesn't, it doesn't look at all your little frailties. Praise God, that God doesn't look at me and, and you know, nitpick. Because it'd be easy for him, because he sees it all. You know, your wife doesn't even see all of your all of your failures, Wayne. As many as she does see, she still doesn't see them all. But God does. And he loves it. He loves him. God loves him anyway. Loves you anyway. Loves me anyway. That's amazing. Anyone who does not know love does not know God, because God is love. Verse 9, in this love, in this, the love of God has been made or was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. He realized it was not possible for you to live a life that counts as righteousness in his sight. He looked down and said they can't do it. It's impossible for them to do it. They can't. And so the epitome of love is they can't do it, so I'm going to do it for them. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, that you looked down and went, you know, nobody, yeah, you can't do it. They're all going to go to hell. Every one of us, every human being on the earth was destined to hell. Destruction. Separation from God. But it says in John 3.16, He so loved the world, He so loved the world that He gave His only Son. He looked and He said, I really want them to be with me. I really want to spend eternity. They're made in my image. I, want, I love them. I love them so much, I'll do whatever it takes. And the only thing I can do is for innocent blood to be shed. And the only innocent blood is Jesus. And as, you know, think about that. If you have, if you've never thought about that, just take a moment, you know, for a brief moment. We're not going to dwell on it. Having to make the decision to send your only son to die for somebody else. When people have done that in war, that's to me, I mean, I just, wow, I ache. When, when you see your, you know, I've not had to do that, but many, Millions of people have had, had to see their loved ones go off to, to possibly die for another. I can't, I, I, I don't know what that feels like. I, I imagine what it feels like and it's too much for me. But here God is sending His perfect Son into a world that hated Him. 
anyway. And he knew that at the end of it, most of them would still hate him, especially the chosen people. The ones he went there to save rejected him. And he still did it. That's love. And he said, I kind of mentioned it last week in the sermon, and he said, he says, I'm forgiving you of all your sins. If you don't forgive those around you, I can't forgive you. You're, you're, you would withhold God's love and forgiveness from your life because you won't forgive someone else. And, and he didn't just say it once. He said it in a number of times, in a, num- in a number of different ways, saying, guys, this thing is all about love. What is it? What is it really all about? I mean, what's the most? That's why I asked that question at the beginning. What's the most important thing? And it's love, because the preaching of the gospel means nothing without love. The anointing, the power, the glory of God. You know uh, what we're walking into every day. We get closer and closer to an out to the outpouring. It's already outpouring. That's one of the things, you know, as I've, as I've been meditating on preaching this sermon, I was like, you know, we all want to see the miracles. We all want to see the, the wow. We all want to see the, the, the healings and we want to all see the stuff. But without love, none of that matters. Amen. We can love, we can talk about love. We, that's how powerful love is. We can talk about love. We can be be meditating on love, and the anointing still flows. And what I saw was that the anointing still flows when I'm talking about love. I don't even have to talk about healing. But that anointing flows because of love. Healing. Power of God. Manifested. Through His glory. Not for my glory, His glory. Because He loved us, He wants people healed. And we can talk about love and healing happens. We we talk about love and salvation happens. We talk about love. we, We focus on love and provision happens. All the stuff that goes along with God with His anointing all goes. It all happens because of love, and because of that love, He's glorified. The opposite is if we don't walk in love, we block ourselves from that anointing. We're not hurting anybody else. We're really not. My opinion of somebody else, you know, I'm ticked at them. I I don't like them. They're they're jerks. They're they're annoying. The o- the only person that's hurting is me. And by holding that grudge, by holding that that you know a grudge or 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 a, a uh, well, it's really what it is is it's a, it's a judgment. You're judging them, going they're not worthy of my attention. They're not worthy of my love. They're not worthy of my... So I'm going to withhold my love. The only one that hurts is you. Because when their heart is right, their God's love is poured on them. Despite you. Verse 10. 
In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. Big honking theological word. Forgiveness. The, the payment. The, the settlement of sin. The propitiation for our sins. He didn't, it isn't about that, oh, we love Him so much that, he's, that he, then He gave us forgiveness. No. He just gave us forgiveness because He loved us first. He took the first step. He took the first step. Whether you receive it or not is up to you. But He did it no matter what. He did it no matter, no matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. He loved you. And He does love you. You know, you get into these theological discussions sometimes. You talk to people and, you know, and, and, uh, you know, is, is the, is the love of God or the grace of God, is, does it, is it ever not extended towards anyone? You know, Hitler. You know, you think of the biggies. Hitler. Stalin. <laughs> Sorry. I was trying to think of a quarter, uh, a uh, the name of the uh, Packers quarterback, and, and it, 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 my mind went absolutely blank. I mean, it was so blank. I'm just I'm laughing because the Holy Ghost is going, "Stop talking, John. Just stop talking." <laughs> yes, Lord, I'm so I repent. Really, I, it's funny. I still can't think of his name. It's just gone. I, oh, it's funny. Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. I, re- I was just joking. Okay, I was just messing around. <laughs> think of the worst person you can think of. <laughs> it's not him. I know it's not him <laughs> because it's not even Hitler. No. Man, if he'd have repented, God would have forgave him. And maybe he did. Who knows? We don't know. There is no one, no one who has gone so far away that God, if they turn to Him with a, with a, with a pure heart and say, you know, Lord, I repent, boom, He's there. And He loves, because He loves them. You know, and we, we kick ourselves so much. We, I've done so many bad things, I, obviously God can't love me. No, you're not even close. The only reason... God won't, you know, can't forgive you. The only reason God that you that you get so far that you can't, you know, spend eternity with Him is if you choose to not receive it. That's the only way. There's always hope, but people's hearts get so hardened that they finally just will, will not do it. But that's there. It's them. It's not God, because He loved us first. He loved us before we even existed. From the beginning of the earth, before anyone was, you know, was, was created, he loved us. And he already had a plan to send Jesus. If it didn't, you know, if we screwed up, which we knew we were going to because we're human, because he knows everything, he already had a plan for Jesus. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God is, God is, is judging the serpent and he goes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of you. The seed of this woman is gonna crush your head. He already had a plan. He already had a plan. Because He loves us. Verse 11. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Because, because God loves you, He only has one requirement of that, that you love one another. Now that's hard, because none of us are perfect. None of let me just say it this way, none of you are perfect. And if I work really hard, I can find something wrong with every one of you. And vice versa. But it's also because we live in a fallen world and we've been conditioned to not love. It's kind of hard for us to sometimes decide to love too. That's that's also hard. But that's a commandment. Love one another. Love one another. It's the most important thing we can do this week. Whether you share your faith or not is second to love. Whether you lay hands on the sick this week is second to love. Whether you, whatever, move mountains, it's second to love. Loving Him, loving God, and loving one another. If there is something between you. You've got to deal with that. Now, it doesn't mean you've got to go tell them, you know, there was a service one time where, you know, the, the minister led them, you know, if you have ought against anybody, go get it sorted out after service. I had a line of people. <laughs> Pastor John, you really offended me. Pick a number. <laughs> so we're not going to do that today. Because we'd have like stations and there'd be people lined up and, you know, I'm so sorry that you have offended me, but I forgive you. Okay. That's not what we're going to do. First, it needs to change in here. It needs to change in your heart. And from your heart, then you'll start acting differently. You'll start speaking differently. You'll start, you'll, you know, what, what really needs to change is your heart. And then, God will sort out the rest. The elders would get prepared for, to receive communion this morning. I've asked the elders to lead communion this morning, and, and uh, Jim Hoffman is going to actually lead it. I've asked him to... But I, I'm going to just very briefly give you... An, we're going to do something different. During worship, I actually saw this. Uh, and as they prepare... Um, what we're going to do is we're going to, you're going to come forward and get, receive the elements, but you're not going to take communion right away. And then when Jim's going to share some stuff and, and however he leads to do that, but the elders are going to be up here. They actually have plastic gloves on and don't get weird. You know, don't think, well, what the heck's going on here? But they're going to have some plastic gloves and some napkins because you're going to get a napkin first and they're going to put the bread on the napkin. And then you're going to, they're going to hand you the cup and you're going to hold it by the bottom. Because at the, at the end of all of this, you're going to find someone else to give communion to. And so we want to just take care of all the, you know, oh, he touched it stuff. But here's the deal. Love. Love is giving. 
And so when you do that, I don't want you to give communion to your best friend or to your spouse or to maybe even anybody you know. I want you to be, be led to the person God is leading you to go give communion to. Amen. Jim. Uh, Jesus is always our example. Jesus is our prophet, priest, and king. And uh, he always set the example. And in thinking about communion this morning, I've asked Linda Lee here to read uh, from Matthew chapter 26 through 29, I think. Okay. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread. Oh, I'm, I'm reading from the Amplified, so I don't mean to add to the word, but that's the only version I got here. So, um, <laughs> Anyway, okay. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and praising God, gave thanks and asked him to bless it to their use. And when he had broken it, he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which ratifies the agreement and is being poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I say to you, I shall not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it with you, new and of superior quality in my Father's kingdom. Amen. And then Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And you know what? He is coming. Uh, first, our, uh, John fourteen three said, And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. We remember. Communion is about remembering. You know, Jesus said, you need to, you need to remember what's going to happen here. He said this just before his death. It reminds me of Paul when he was in prison in about A.D. 65, 66, and he wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. He had a death sentence on his head. He knew he was going to die. But, you know, he had to keep first things first. He had to honor the Lord. He had to say, my life doesn't really matter. Jesus laid down. Let this attitude be in you that was also in Christ. He laid down his life. He's calling us to do the same. So we remember the past, but we also look to the future, the blessed hope, the returning of our Lord and Savior, you know, that gives me strength. That that's who uh, uh, the remembrance of the death and resurrection of Jesus is who we are. That's who we are. That's what gives us hope. That's what gives us strength. That's what gives us humility. That's what gives us grace. So that's who we are. That's why we remember, and we always want to remember and look forward to His second coming because He is coming. You know. He's coming back. That'll be a good day. That'll be a good day. You know. Just wanted to read one more scripture. The elder, you want to come up here, guys? <clears throat> From First Corinthians chapter ten, verse seventeen, it says, "Because there is one bread, 
we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one body, of the one bread. You know, I think we need to search our hearts. John was talking about before. I don't have the right to hold a grudge against anybody. I really don't. You know, no matter what the offense is, we don't have that right to hold a grudge against anybody. So then we're saying what Jesus did wasn't good enough. You know, and I don't have that right. And if if anyone has out against me, I just ask for your forgiveness. That's all I can do. You know, and uh, so Lord... Show us if there's areas of our life that we need to confess and change. Just show us and help us to be willing. In Jesus' name, amen. So why don't you come up as we uh, and uh, get the elements. Let's see here. Formal line here, these guys know what to do. So you know what to do, Wade? Yep, yep, okay. We got a napkin over there. So grab a napkin, take the bread, and then uh, take the cup. And then uh, hold it until we're done receiving, okay? It's very fitting. And uh, if you read on in Matthew, it says they sung a hymn. And then they went out. Uh, So, uh, Lord, just show us who we should go to now. Show us who we should go to. We just ask for your direction. And, Lord, help us to be led by your Spirit. And I'd ask that you will serve the community. I'd also ask that you pray for each other. You know, I'd ask that you give a blessing to each other and raise your land. And uh, let's just do that right now.